she's also a he. More. More. I like more. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I'm bisexual, actually. Oh! Yeah. I go both ways. Welcome to Bisexual Breakdown, where we have breakdowns as we break down pop culture. My name is Katie. I am one of your hosts, and I am here with my co-host, Serena. Hello. Today, we're going to be talking about... Nick Galatine, or Nicholas Galatine, whichever. We call him Nick because we're so close now. Yeah, we're best friends. Nicky G is actually what I prefer to call him. Yes. Deep personal relationship. Yeah. We're basically going to spend some time talking about all of his projects. We've watched everything now that he's been in. So I think that we're, well, we're sort of experts now, I would say. Um, yeah, so that was a total of 12 projects? Um, no, 13. 13, I it believe, like yes. 11 movies and two TV series. Yes. Is that correct? Yeah. We're not going to be talking about the projects that haven't been released yet. So he has a TV series and a movie that are both in post-production, but we're not going to cover those until they come out. Because we can't, obviously, we haven't seen them. Even though we have this deep personal relationship with Nick, he hasn't, you know, shared this with us. I know. <laughs> I'm kind of upset about it. But yeah, so he was born in London. I believe his birthday is September 29th. 1994. 1994, yes. Um, which I think makes him a Libra king for like most of his life was going to be a professional uh, rugby player. He went to a sports academy in London and was on like a semi-professional rugby team. But then he injured his rotator cuff, which is his shoulder. And so he kind of had to start looking for other things to do. And he has told the story a few times about how he just went to the Edinburgh F uh, Fringe Festival to do a play and he got scouted there. It was his very first acting job, basically, but he got scouted and he's kind of started working right away. And he's also done music. He plays guitar. He plays piano. He's not a bad dancer, I think. <laughs> so he's kind of like hitting all the nails on the head here. That's kind of like his bio. That's how he got to where he is now. Are we going to talk about the fact that he is descended from Russian royalty? <laughs> yeah, he is. I think possibly for understandable reasons, he doesn't really talk about that. I think he's been pretty open with the fact that he's a lot more connected to his mom's heritage, which is mm -hmm. Greek. He like spent a lot of time in Greece, like in the summer when he was growing up. His dad's side of the family, though, is descended from a royal Russian family. <laughs> I have to read my favorite Tumblr post about this, which says, Karl Marx wrote the Communist Manifesto, and as a consequence, Nicholas Galitzine chronically plays gay roles for a living. What is life, honestly? <laughs> yes, I love that so much. I actually was like going through my Tumblr likes the other day, and I saw that post, and it made me laugh really hard. I mean, thanks, Karl Marx. For so many different I mean, just things. to explain for like people who might not know what happened, the princely families of the former Soviet Union were sent into exile, and some of them ended up in France or in the UK, as Nick's family did. And so, I mean, 
I don't know what that means for them. Like, they're not technically royalty. Like, his dad has a normal job. It kind of depends because, I mean, I've done my research. Of course you have. Yeah. Like, some places say that technically his dad is a prince. I don't think that that really means anything these days. Like, I mean, his dad is into glass recycling, so. Yeah, both of his parents have, like, normal jobs. They just seemed like a very normal family. It doesn't seem like he grew up rich or anything. Uh, It's just like a weird coincidence, I guess, or weird like fact that he technically is descended from like royalty. And has played royal roles more than once. Yeah, a couple times. Why don't we get into his acting projects? We were trying to figure out how we were going to discuss his movies. And I came up with this rating system where we have five different categories and we are going to each give our own rating for each of those categories out of 10. And then we'll combine them together and come up with a percentage at the end. Are we actually going to do math for this, Katie? I can do the math. (laughs) Okay, this is not my strong suit. Math isn't my strong suit either. That's why I had to make the numbers so equal. Like there's five categories and each one is going to be worth 20. And when you add them all together, that just gives you the percentage. That's like as complicated as my mathematic abilities get. This is pretty complicated. I was just going to go off vibes, but sure, let's be scientific about this. It's okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's like a combination of vibes and math. And I think it'll be fun. All right, let's do it. We're going to go through each movie chronologically, starting with his very first project, which Serena is going to tell us about. So his first ever project was Beat Beneath My Feet. It came out in 2014. And in this movie, Nick plays an aspiring guitarist slash songwriter. He's in high school. He lives in a small town. And he discovers that his antisocial neighbor who lives on the floor below him, who plays really loud music and pisses off his mom, is actually a disgraced rock star who supposedly died several years ago but faked his death to avoid taxes or something and also deal with some personal trauma. Anyway, so Nick's character blackmails the rock star character into teaching him guitar in exchange for keeping his identity secret. And so in this movie, Nick plays the guitar and he sings and he's actually quite good even though music in this movie is kind of underwhelming but his performance is really good it's always nice to see him flex his musical talent in his various roles which he does throughout his filmography did you like this movie katie you know what i liked it a lot more than i thought i was going to it was one of those movies where i was going into it and like I think knowing that it was the first movie he ever filmed, I was like, I don't know how good this is going to be. But I actually like it was cute and I enjoyed it. And I think that he did a really good job, especially since it was his very first literally fresh. He had done almost nothing except for a few plays, his very first opportunity to like film a project and I think that he did a really good job and it's really cute and you're right the music isn't like amazing but there's like a couple of them that I think are okay and he does it really well yeah and he is a really good singer so yeah that's kind of how I feel about that project (laughs) Mm -hmm. I thought that he was quite good in it too and 
He almost makes you believe that he's this awkward teen outcast, but like, let's be real, he's too pretty to be the unpopular kid at this school. I know. How are girls not throwing themselves at him? And like the cool guy who's his bully is like, whatever. You know, I don't I don't get it. Like that was the most non-believable thing. There's a couple interviews actually that Nick did for this movie and the I'm not sure who it is, maybe like the producer one of those people has like told this story a couple times in a different in different interviews about how they really liked him for the role because he you know was the right age and like had the musical ability and everything but that they thought he was too attractive to play this role like we said i think he did a really good job they might have been right that he is a little bit too good looking to play this role And well, what I liked about this role, and this is a recurring theme, I think, in his work is there are a lot of different emotional layers that he's really good at communicating. And, you know, there's a lot going on with his relationship with the rock star character who's played by Luke Perry, by the way. Yes. And so like there were like mentor vibes and like quasi father son bonding because Luke Perry um, lost his son in a tragic way. And Nick's character had an absentee disappointing father and so you know like there was a lot of these emotions going on and I thought that that was handled really well and that relationship was well done it wasn't a great movie but I thought that like the emotional moments of the story felt really genuine yeah I totally agree I think that yeah like you said it is so good at I guess what I would call like face acting which sounds so stupid because you always kind of act with your face but like He just like has really good expressions. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he does a really good job of like portraying a lot with just his face. Like he doesn't have to like say lines for you to like understand what Mm -hmm. he's feeling. And I think that even though this is like his very first project, I think that you can kind of already see that happening Yeah, in his like abilities as an actor. So yeah, I think he did a really good job. I think that, like I said, it, it was a lot better than I was expecting. Okay, so how are we going to rate this according to yes. Let's the get into the rating categories. This is so funny. So the five categories are, number one, the quality of Nick's role. So that's like, how much is he actually in it? How like meaty is his role? Like how many emotions is he portraying? Are we going to log numbers into the spreadsheet? Katie made a spreadsheet. <laughs> I did make a spreadsheet and I am going to log numbers. The next category is how queer is this movie and how queer is his role? I think I'm including that one because he's done quite a few queer roles. He's been in four projects where he plays a non-straight character. And some of his characters are not explicitly queer, but I would say are quite queer coded. Exactly. Sometimes even when he's not, he is. So, and also this being a podcast with a bisexual focus, I thought that it was important to kind of address that. And then the next category is, <laughs> is how baby girl is he in this role? Because he's the most baby girl. Okay, wait, we said we were going to be scientific about this. So I feel like we have to pin down what do we mean by baby girl before we can measure his baby girlness? Okay, I see what you mean. That's very difficult because... Okay, so I've seen people use this term in a few slightly different ways. Um, And so I'd like to know what you mean when you use it. It's been used to describe a man who is extremely attractive, but like has a good personality, 
or like someone who is so attractive that you want to provide for him or someone who is cute and like comfortable in his masculinity and is vulnerable and weak in a way that's very attractive. Yeah, I kind of feel all of those. I definitely feel like I don't really like this term, but like a soft boy, mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense. Here's how I kind of feel about it. It's someone who's like very, very attractive in like a sexually non-threatening way. Okay. <laughs> someone who, yeah, I guess that's like the best way I can describe it. Someone who I feel like is going to be respectful. I'm not getting like toxic masculinity from yeah. this person. I think that's the main thing for me. It's Yes. He's a conventionally attractive man and yet does not seem to embody any of the toxic traits that are usually considered traditionally masculine. All right. Okay. So we're on the same page about that. Yeah. Perfect. So yeah, that's kind of how we're defining baby girl for this rating system. So the next category is how much we subjectively like this media. I've included two different versions of us kind of just rating things and rating the project. And the reason I've done this is because I feel like those are two very different things, like how much we subjectively like the movie and how much we objectively like the movie. Because there are some movies that like, I love, I love that movie so much. And I know that like, technically, it's like not a great movie. I feel certain things towards it. And so that makes me like it more, even though I wouldn't necessarily like recommend it to other people because I'm like, listen, you probably won't like this. I like it because of this reason or these reasons, but that doesn't mean that I think it's like a good movie, quote unquote. So that's Mm -hmm. why I've got one category that's like how much we subjectively like it. And I've included kind of a note there of like, would we watch it if he wasn't in it, basically. And then the next category is what would we rate this movie objectively if we were considering it as removed from our like personal feelings about it and him being in it. So that is, those are the five categories. Okay, so let's go through this for the beat beneath my feet. So the quality of Nick's role, like how much is he in it and how media is his role? I mean, he's the main character, so... I was going to say he is the main character and he shows a lot of emotions. It's very much not like a static character. Like Mm -hmm. he changes a lot throughout it and a lot of different things happen to him in the, in the movie. I mean, I would be giving this a pretty high rating personally. Mm -hmm. I was thinking like a nine. Yeah. You're on for nine as well. Yes. But a nine there. So we've got our first rating. Yes. The next one is how queer is this movie or how queer is his role? How do you feel about that? It's been a while since we watched this, but I was not getting any queer vibes from this role at all. No, me neither. Do we put a zero when that's the case? I mean, if there's like none at all, then I would say zero. My instinct is because it's Nick to give him like a little bit, but... It's like, oh, maybe a two. (laughs) Just because... It's impossible for him not to be like a little bit, you know? You give him a two, I give him a two. Let's do four. Okay, how baby girl is he in this role? I mentioned, feel like he always kind of is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's because he tends to go for roles in which the character is quite emotionally vulnerable or has a lot going on beneath the surface, and which is definitely the case for this particular role. So I would say that you know he is very vulnerable and goes through an emotional journey here, and he doesn't have any of the 
trappings of traditional masculinity. He's not afraid to show how he feels or tell people how he feels, which I thought is very refreshing. I think he has a high baby girl score for this role. How high? I, I, the number coming to my mind was eight. Yeah, a seven or eight. So how much we subjectively like this movie, what is just like the rating that you would give it out of 10? I'd say maybe a seven. Like if I was randomly flipping through movies and I came across this one and I sat down to watch it, not knowing anything about it, at the end, I would feel like, oh, you know, that was a pleasant watch. I wasn't expecting anything and it was actually quite enjoyable. I think I'm kind of realizing now that maybe this question, though, would we watch it if he wasn't in it, should be connected to the objective reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because subjectively, we're watching it because he's in it. Objectively, would we watch it if he wasn't in it, if that makes sense? So maybe let's change that to be associated with the next category. So subjectively, keeping in mind of how much we know that he's in it, like how much we like this movie, I would probably still give it like a seven. Now, objectively, not knowing if it was like a different actor in his role, what would we rate this movie? Likely lower. Not a bad movie. I was thinking like a six, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So that movie has a 64%, which isn't bad, actually. That that sounds about right. His next project was an American crime drama called Legends. This was a TV show that was based on a book that came out in 2005 called Legends, a novel of dissimulation, which is by Robert Littell. He was in one episode, which was episode five of season two, which was called The Legend of Terrence Graves. And it aired on December 7th, 2015. And to be fully transparent here, we only watched the scenes that Nick was in. We have no idea what is going on in this show, in this episode. Yeah, he was in it for like maybe 30 seconds. If that, I don't even know if it was 30 seconds. I did not time it. No idea what the show is about. From what we can gather, it was sort of like, he's sort of like a honeypot in the sense that like he is blackmailing a character by sleeping with him to give blackmail material for some people to use against this character that he sleeps with because the character he sleeps with is like married and has children. And is a man. In case that wasn't clear. This is the first of Nick's queer roles. Although I will also say that it's not exactly like clear if his character is queer. He just like happens to be sleeping with men to get information out of them. And it's also implied that he's doing this with other guys too, because the guy that he sleeps with catches him when he's with another man. So I don't really know what the situation is there. But as you can tell, we didn't really watch much of the episode. Right. We were just there to watch Nick basically take his clothes off and get into bed with men. Yep, and I would I would watch a whole hell of a lot more of that if it was available. <laughs> it feels like sinking to a new level of depravity, just like clicking through this entire episode just to find the scenes where Nick is naked. But yeah, we did that. Yeah, we did do that. I really can't say anything about what the TV show is like because I have no idea. But he sure was half naked and kissing a man so and his thighs were on full display in their full glory 
that's pretty much all, all I can say about it. I'm, I'm just looking at your criteria, thinking about, you wrote here, quality of Nick's role. How much is he in the project and how meaty is his role? And it's like, mm, meaty. <laughs> how much is he in the project? Not at all. How meaty? Very meaty. Very. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, then let's get into it. The quality of Nick's role. Not great. Not, no. It's basically, I don't know if it even merits a one, considering he was in 30 seconds of one episode. Yeah, I think there's like 20 some episodes. It had two seasons and each season has like maybe like eight episodes. So like, yeah, 16 episodes. Yeah, so one is generous. One is generous. I think uh, let's give them a 0.5 each to bring it to a one total out of 20. (laughs) All right. I think I think that is generous. I mean, I feel like he deserves a full number for being that good in the 30 seconds that he was in. For the size, Diane? Yeah. We'll bump that up to a two. And then, yeah, how queer is this movie? How queer is his role? Um, that's like a hard one because I don't know how queer the rest of the project is. Yeah. Or well, how queer is the role? We don't know how that character specifically identifies but yes but we do know he is having sex with men and that is the entire point of his existence in this movie i'd say that's maybe a nine leave the one out for uncertainty yeah sure that sounds great how baby girl is he in this role honestly he kind of he is a little bit Mm -hmm. again it's that thing where like nick just kind of is always and it seeps a little bit into almost all of his projects i mean we saw very little of his interaction with the other characters. But from what I saw, it seemed like this man that he was seducing doted on him and was kind of very protective of him and very fond and affectionate. I feel like very baby girl. I think so too. I don't want to give it like a super high rating because again, as we discussed, we don't really know that much about this person. I don't even remember his name in the project. (laughs) Oh, his name was Angelo. Oh, right. Yeah, Angelo. Thanks, Wikipedia. So I don't really know much about Angelo. So it's like hard. I'd say seven. A seven? I was going to say six. Okay, I'll say seven. You can say six. So that comes out to 13. How much we subjectively like this media? Could not say. I wasn't interested enough to watch the entire episode. So I feel like... Like a two? Yeah. And what would we rate this? I feel like it's not fair to rate something that we basically just click through to see Nick in. That's true. But if we're talking about like, would we watch it if he wasn't in it? The answer to that is no. Well, yeah, probably not. I mean, it's like a spy thriller type thing, right? I mean, I enjoy those. But yeah, this was not on my radar at all. Would not have stumbled onto it if not for Nick. So maybe, yeah, I I can't really give it a very high rating. I was thinking like a three or four. I was thinking two. A two? Okay. Why don't you give it a two and I'll give it a three and we'll total that to five. This is going to be... You're being very unfair to this TV series, by the way. Maybe it's really good. If anyone has watched it, come back and tell us, please. Yeah, exactly. That's a 42, which I think is generous, actually. Yeah. I mean, that's actually higher than I thought it would be. Yeah. So our next project is a movie called High Strung, which was released in 2016. And it's a dance movie set in New York City in which Nick plays a kind of um, down on his luck classical violinist who's busking in the subway. 
Um, but he's kind of got like this attitude. And at some point he gets involved with a ballerina at this elite school for dancers and musicians and also a hip hop crew that lives in his building. And it culminates in some kind of high stakes competition. It is objectively not a great movie. I would agree on that. Yeah. Nick's character is really weird. Like he's in the United States and he's an illegal alien and he's trying to get residency or like a visa, but then his immigration lawyer scams him. And it's never explained why he's in the United States in the first place. How was he so good at violin? How does he live in this really big apartment in New York City if he doesn't have any money? Lots of weird things about this movie, but that's not the point. He is very hot in this movie. He is topless playing the violin with a very intense look of concentration on his face. He's kind of angry and angsty. And yeah, that's what we're here for. That is what we're here for. And you know, I would say like one of my biggest gripes with this movie is something that we've talked about in our previous episodes, which is like that thing of not really understanding what the connection is between the two heterosexual leads. Mm -hmm. Nick is paired with this ballet dancer in this movie, and we're supposed to believe that they have chemistry? He has more chemistry with the other violinist, who is a man, who he has this kind of weird rivalry with. They just like meet each other and are like taken with each other and in love with each other. And I mean, okay, I can like understand seeing Nick (laughs) in public and being like, holy shit, that is a beautiful man. Yeah. Totally get that. Not knocking that. I understand that she like saw him playing violin in public and was like, holy crap, he's hot. They just sort of like don't know each other and are all of a sudden dating sort of but not really and they don't really like even explicitly get into that yeah and she's really invested in you know helping him and helping him stay in the united states and it's like you just met this rando i mean he's a hot rando but it's like you don't know this man he is hot but like you still don't know anything about him And he doesn't know anything about her until much later in the movie, he goes to see her at her school and he watches her dancing. And, you know, watching someone be really good at something is attractive. I get that. But like, I don't know, there's really not much there. And yeah, kind of like what you were saying, it just seems like they like introduce a lot of things that don't really get explained. Like, I think that we know that like his grandfather someone gave him his violin so like it's a lot to him that's not really delved into we don't know why he has left the uk to come to new york again yeah like he's got this massive apartment and he has like no money like he cannot legally have a job but then there's like this one scene in the movie where he invites her over for a date and his whole apartment is decorated there's like candles everywhere and like petals everywhere and i'm like roses are expensive like have you gone to buy like rose petals they cost a lot of money how did he have any money at all to like put this date together it just like doesn't make any sense to me any of that like they just didn't think any of that through like the realities of being in poverty in new york city 
doesn't matter. They just like decided to make him poor. And that's the other thing is it feels like that whole storyline doesn't even really go anywhere either. Like he's about to be deported, but nothing ever comes of that. And it's like uh, his appearance at the competition is delayed till the absolute last minute because he was arrested. But then like nothing really happens. He just sits around in the police station and then they ask him a question and then let him go. Like what? Anyway, not a good movie. I mean, plot wise, it's just it's an excuse to show dancing and, you know, it's the fantasy, right, of like just meeting someone and having like this really intense connection and then you do this great thing together and you live happily ever after supposedly that's fine but yeah i mean it wasn't really like compelling or anything nick is playing this character who's like angsty and he's a lot going on but like you don't really know where any of that is coming from because there's absolutely no backstory to his character um you're just throwing these random details about him it doesn't really give him any real motivations or give you a reason to root for him or to root for them as a couple. So yeah, it felt a bit flat, even though it was entertaining to watch him in this role. Should we get into the ratings? Okay, so the quality of Nick's role, how much was he in the project and how meaty was his role? He's in it quite a bit. Yeah, seven or eight. I mean, but there was a lot more focus on the girl and the ballerina and like what was going on with her and her school and her roommate. Yeah, it's a little bit more. I would say that it's like 60-40. 40% maybe is him, 60% is her. Mm-hmm. Not quite equal, but like not crazy skewed. Yeah, I definitely do think that she she's a little bit of a bigger role than he is. But I mean, his his role is still pretty significant. And like in that final performance, they were both the star of that. But I feel like he shone more than she did. And it should be pointed out that he did not learn how to play violin for this movie. He faked <laughs> playing the violin for this movie. And, it, and he does not play violin. So, But I think he did a good job of that. He also has kind of like a big dance scene in the movie where he does uh, the tango, I, I want to say, which was also very fun. I think he did a good job of that. I'd say maybe a six. That's exactly the number I was thinking too. How queer is this movie? Oh, babes, not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. I mean, I can see the alternate universe where he falls in love with the guy who's being a dick to him instead. <laughs> I mean, I could also see because like it's like a plot point that he lives below like a dance crew. And I even would maybe like that story of him falling in love with one of the members of the dance crew. Literally, the, all the other characters are more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like not seeing it in the content that we have or that we've given yeah it's not very queer at all it hurts to give it a zero but i'm less than beat beneath my feet no you're right i don't i don't think it is less than that maybe we should rate it the same yeah let's give it a four okay because he has queer potential yes you're right the potential is there next one how baby girl is he in this role i would say Well, he does have that, you know, oh, I'm too tough and I don't want anyone to help me, whatever. Like, and there are people around him who are like being kind to him and he's like, uh. That's true. He does kind of like get angry when the the main character, the female main character tries to help him. And even like the guys who live below him, right, are very nice to him. And he's kind of 
distant, you know, like pushing people away kind of. And that's, I, I mean, not to bring it back to this, but that's kind of like another thing that they don't really do a good job of explaining why he's like that. <laughs> he just Yeah. Kind of, like, who hurt you, Nick? Yeah. <laughs> he's just kind of a dick for like no reason <laughs> in a few scenes of the movie. And I'm kind of like, mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly feel like this is maybe one of the lower ratings we'll give for this category. I kind of want to say like four. Yeah, I'm with you on that. How much we subjectively like this media, certainly not one that I'm in a rush to rewatch. I would watch a super cut of just his scenes. Yes. I mean, I thought he was really good in it. Like when he's emoting while he's playing the violin and being very intense. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I actually really love the scene where he's dancing, the tango scene. Mm-hmm. I didn't want this to be about objectifying him, but like, holy shit, he looks good in that scene. <laughs> So subjectively, like considering that he's in it, maybe like a six, <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe a seven. Oh, a little low. Okay. I mean, I've watched his scenes. Like I would rewind and just watch his scenes. So I have done that. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it a seven. Okay. I'm going to stick with my six. We'll do a 13. What would we rate this media? Would we watch it if he wasn't in it objectively? I might watch it even if he wasn't in it. I like Dan's musical type movies. I mean, they're just kind of entertaining to have in the background and you don't really expect them to have much story or character development or anything like that. But the performances are fun and you know, that's enough. So I'd say maybe a five. I was kind of thinking like, if I would not have sought this movie out to watch it on my own, but I am I was thinking that like, if someone was like, hey, would you want to watch this with me? I'd be like, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> I'm not against watching it. I just like, it's not a movie that I would have looked to watch. Like it isn't the genre of movies that I enjoy watching for like mindless entertainment. And I have watched many movies in this particular mold some of which were worse than this. So yeah, yeah. I'm going to give it a five. You know what? I'll, I'll give it a five as well. This is weird. I think this might actually get a lower rating than Legend. Crazy. I think that that um, high queer rating we gave him is really, really skewing the results. <laughs> oh, a 47. It did beat Legends. Legends was 42. High Strung is 47. Okay. Let's talk about his next project, which is called Handsome Devil. So Handsome Devil premiered at TIFF, which is the Toronto International Film Festival, in September 2016, and it hit theaters in April 2017. And by theaters, I, I think it was mainly just in Ireland. This is an Irish movie, and Nick does an Irish accent in it. And yeah, and I, I'm not sure how wide the release was. I know that it was definitely released in Ireland in, in 2017. So this movie follows a gay teen named Ned who attends an all boys school where rugby and rugby players are kind of like the top of like the status ladder like everyone at the boys school is just like obsessed with rugby but Ned forms an unlikely friendship with his roommate um Connor who is Nick's character he is like a new transfer at the school he's on the rugby team and kind of like becomes the star player of the rugby team and this is the second of Nick's queer film roles and this is definitely one of my favorites that he's done me too it is really really good it's funny because I didn't realize I had already watched this movie and when I started looking into Nick's previous projects 
I saw this one and everyone, like everywhere I was reading about his stuff, everyone was like, oh, you have to watch Handsome Devil. Like, it's so good. It's so good. And I was like, okay, like, let's do this. And I started watching it and realized I had already seen it. I was like watching the beginning of the movie. I was like, this is really familiar. And then they show Andrew Scott is a well-known actor from like Fleabag and Sherlock Holmes and stuff like that. Or not Sherlock Holmes. It was just who was also Sherlock, queer. Who was also queer. But yeah, he plays one of the teachers in it. And I like saw him and I was like, oh, I have seen this movie. Nick looks really different in it than he does now. And so I think I just didn't recognize that it was him. He was really young. I mean, not really, but he looked really young in this movie. I mean, he was like a boys boarding school. So how old would he have been? In 2016? Early 20s, 21? Uh, a, a little older. 23 maybe like 22 maybe when it was filmed but yeah so he looked like a lot younger and I just like yeah I was surprised I was like oh I, I already saw this <laughs> but it was really good and we rewatched it together as part of our big Nick Galatine filmography watch this is the movie that I saw and thought okay I can see him as Henry in red white and royal blue right because the first movie of his that I saw was Purple Hearts, which we'll get into that later. I was like, oh my God, I am, I'm really worried about this casting announcement now. But then I saw this movie and I was like, ah, I get it. Yes. This makes sense now. Yeah, I totally agree. I wasn't really, I guess I did look at his projects a little bit. It's a lie. I did definitely because I also hearts before red white more blue came out i just was so like shocked to myself that i didn't like recognize him at all because i'd seen like photos and stuff and then i watched purple hearts and then i went to go watch this and i was like oh i can't believe that i've already seen this i really love this movie and there's no romance in this movie which i like they focus on unlikely friendship mm -hmm. and just shows like how important these types of friendships can be during moments in our lives when like when you're young and you're figuring it out and having a friend who understands what you're going through even though they're not typically the kind of person that you would be you think that you would be friends with and how that can be really transformative and, and healing I thought that was really nice about this movie and I think there's a lot to be said like for most of the movie Ned does not realize that Connor is also gay but i think if you look at it from connor's point of view of connor knowing that ned is gay it's like a really mm -hmm. great story of queer friendship and like camaraderie and that like finding community a little bit with people who may not be like you in other ways but are like you in pretty big important ways <laughs> Like mm -hmm. being queer but yeah and I, I also wanted to bring up I think one of Nick's best scenes in the movie what I think is his best scene in the movie which is when he has that conversation with Andrew Scott on the field yes it's so in the movie Andrew Scott plays a teacher at the school who is also queer but he hides it at work basically because there's like a really big kind of rugby lad culture at the school as I mentioned and it's pretty deeply like homophobic. And so Andrew Scott's character has to hide himself at work. And so when it is revealed that Nick's character, Connor, is queer, he has like a conversation about it with Andrew Scott's character. It's just like really, I don't know, it's just like really well done. And it's kind of a confrontation. It is. Right? Because he kind of yeah. accuses Andrew Scott's character of being a hypocrite. Yes. Like, as a teacher, you told us that we need to be true to ourselves and to, you know, use our voice to express who we are. And here you are 
hiding this part of yourself. And I thought it was a really good dramatic scene. Like he held his own against Andrew Scott, who is a very accomplished actor. So I think that really speaks to Nick's acting ability and his presence Mm -hmm. and also like it kind of addresses that whole like I'm I'm pretty sure Andrew Scott's character says to him like it gets better which is like a pretty common platitude that people use to queer people and obviously it can be meaningful but in that situation Connor's kind of questioning him like has it gotten better for you like look where you are you're also still hiding yourself and yeah I don't know I just think that it has a lot of really important queer moments in it without being a romance movie which I think makes it very unique and really meaningful this is definitely I would rate this one really high yeah me too and I like where all the queer characters ended at the end of this movie because each one of them including Andrew Scott's character goes through a journey and it feels very satisfying and fitting for each of those characters Mm -hmm. let's move on to the rating So the quality of his role in this, how much is he in it and how meaty is the role? So he's definitely not in it as much as Ned is, but it's a pretty significant role. And I would say it's quite meaty, like in terms of the emotions he portrays. We talked about that confrontation scene with Andrew Scott. Yeah, that was a big scene. It was a really big scene. So I think that this is a pretty high rating I would say eight. Yeah, I was kind of thinking eight or nine. So trying to decide, should I go with the eight? Should I go with the nine? Uh, Let's go with eight. How queer is this movie? I want to give this top scores. We're going to give this a 10. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like this is a, I mean, this is like a 10 out of 10 fully queer movie about the queer experience and about queer friendship and all of that stuff. So how baby girl is he in this role? (laughs) Not very, I would say. I mean, because he on the surface is a very typical rugby lad and very violent. When you understand later that that behavior comes from a place of deep pain, this still doesn't detract from how, you know, he presents as a very typical masculine character. Yeah, he definitely does. And like you said, like the anger issues are rooted in like, he gets kicked out of his previous school. And that's why he's had to transfer to this new boys school. And you do find out that he had to transfer to this school basically because everyone at his old school found out that he was gay and he was getting shit for it. So like you you can see where the issues come from of him being very reactive and violent. I think that that's like a commentary on masculinity and of how like boys aren't allowed like the emotional space to process those feelings and so they can come out as anger and like not to go too like um (laughs) too meta with this but like I read in one of Nick's interviews where he talked about how he went through something that was almost exactly like that nothing to do with sexuality or anything but he did talk about how I mean he attended an all-boys school it was a sports academy there was a lot of I'm sure, toxic masculinity that he grew up with. And he talked about how he always felt a little different because he had a lot of emotions and he didn't know how to portray them or get them out. And so he said he was a little bit bit of like a problem kid in school because he just, he didn't know what he was supposed to do with everything he was feeling. And he like, he said that he even like went to like the school counselor and it didn't really like help him. They put him on medication. That didn't help him either. I mean, I'm really thankful that he managed to find a way to acting 
It makes so much sense that he found his way to acting as a way of expressing all these emotions. So that's honestly, I think, why maybe he does so well in this role, because he has that experience of like not really knowing what to do with what he's feeling, which is very much how I feel about Connor as well. Yeah. So Nick is 10 out of 10 a baby girl, but Connor is maybe a 4 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Because in towards the end, he does let some of that anger go and allows himself to be himself and allows his friend to take care of him. And there's that really great moment where the rugby team st- stands up for him. So, you know, towards the end. Yeah, he does kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say that that he doesn't like make a 180 into being a baby girl, but it is nice that we get that ending of him having sort of like processed his emotions a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree, though, as terms of baby girlism goes, it, it's not super high. How much we subjectively like this media, I'm feeling like... This is a 9 or a 10 for me. I mean, if it wasn't him, but it was still a good actor who was able to portray that role, I would still really enjoy this movie. But subjectively, because he is in this movie, I love it a lot. I kind of want to give it a 10 for subjective. Okay, so yeah, 10 for subjective and nine for objective yeah because i was thinking i literally did watch this movie before i was like obsessed with him we love a queer coming of age movie yeah objectively i i would and did watch this movie without knowing that he was in it so so i kind of have to like give that a pretty high rating yeah i'm gonna give it a nine yeah me too let's get us a total 82 i knew that one was gonna be high. high yeah The next project is The Changeover, which came out in 2017, and I think it only came out in New Zealand. And so it's a supernatural young adult film. It's based on a novel that won an award by Margaret Mayhe, and it's about a 16-year-old girl named Laura who has a four-year-old brother named Jacko, and they live in the poor side of town. And the, the tone of this movie is a little bit like creepy and then it is revealed that Laura is drawn into some kind of supernatural battle with an ancient spirit who is latched on to her brother and is slowly draining his life force um, so that the spirit can stay young. Laura eventually discovers that she has some supernatural abilities and this discovery is aided by Nick's character who turns out to be a witch and his mom and his grandma are also witches and they help Laura by turning her into a witch um, so that she can defeat the spirit and save her brother. I thought that this movie was genuinely creepy at some parts. The pacing was not great. It felt like a little too long and drawn out and I was bored throughout multiple parts of this movie. It wasn't bad, it was just weird. Yeah, just the pacing was weird. The story was not terribly compelling. It was just okay. Yeah, I thought it was a really weird one. I don't want to say disappointing. It was a little disappointing because I love scary movies. I'm not a scary movie person at all. So this is not something I would have watched. When I heard about this movie, I was like excited because I was like, oh my God, this sounds spooky and I love that. But then yeah, it was, well, not scary. So if you are looking for something scary, this maybe isn't the one. I would say yeah, a little bit more creepy i guess especially between laura and the demon guy spirit whatever you would call it in his human form 
those scenes were kind of creepy, but I wouldn't really say scary. And yeah, I don't know. I kind of a little baffled and confused by the whole thing. I struggle to even really say like how he was in it because he, first of all, wasn't in the movie a ton. He was trying to warn her about something. Like he clearly had knowledge of something going on, but then wasn't like, oh, I'm a witch. Let me help you with your supernatural problem. And yeah, I don't know. The whole thing was just like really kind of bizarre. I I seem to remember at one point they were kind of like hanging out together, but then he just like disappeared from the storyline for a bit. And it was mainly just the main character and he was kind of not in it. And then he kind of came back at the end a little bit. Yeah, because she sought him out when she finally realized that what she had to do was embrace her power and his witch family had to, to help her do that. The thing that I remember most about this movie is Nick looking like a Twilight vampire. <sighs> and that's mainly it. Yes, I will say like that look was kind of working for me. I'm not even a Twilight girly, but that I'm was not working really for me. either, but it was working for me. He had like really dark hair in it and he looked really pale and the eye bags were eye bagging. Yeah, and then there's a scene at the end. It's like an extended scene where he's just like topless in bed and she's just watching him sleep. That is very Twilight of them. Like a reverse Twilight situation. He looked really good in that last scene though. Yeah, just kind of a weird one overall. Yeah. All right, let's go to the rating system. So the quality of Nick's role. How much is he in it and how meaty is the role? Not very. Not very. Yeah. I want to say like a four. Like a four? four? Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what I was thinking. Also, it should be noted that his name is in the movie is Sorensen, which is also an insane <laughs> name. <laughs> how queer is this movie? How queer is his role? I feel like he was kind of queer coded in this movie. I mean, like, yeah, you can't be a, a male witch and not be slightly queer coded. Come on. I don't want to like make this seem like a thing of me being like, this seems sexist because that's not why I'm saying this. But it is sort of weird that like, it seems like the witch gene has passed from his grandmother to his mom and then to him, like what? But whatever, you know what? Maybe that is queer because he has like a feminine energy within him. Sure, let's say that. I'm going to go with that. But I still don't think it's it's very queer, to be honest. I kind of want to say four for this as well, like three or four. I'm going to go with five. Ooh, okay. I just feel like, you know, if you can suspend what you think is how the world works because you have access to magic and the supernatural, like you are not bogged down by generals and you're not going to think too hard about who you're going to bang and who's hot, like on the basis of their gender. You know what, fair. Yeah, if you're a witch, you're too open-minded for that kind of thing. How baby girl is he in this role? I mean, we did say feminine energy in this role. I, and I do feel like he has a little bit of feminine energy in this role. In the sense of like, I almost feel like he's playing the feminine role in this movie, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. In other movies, it's like the man is the male character. And if there's a woman who's sent to like help him, he's probably going to ignore her until he realizes that he can't anymore. And he has to listen to her advice. Yeah, that makes sense. And then she's just kind of coming in and out to like provide support to the man and then she's really of like no consequence and then at the end when he's like come into his full power and is like at his height of like sexiness then he comes for this girl and like picks and then like gets the girl at the end you know what i mean yeah and then we have like the the reverse twilight scene yeah exactly i honestly kind of feel like not that baby girl has to mean feminine because it doesn't but i am kind of saying that he does sort of 
have that energy in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I would say like a non-traditionally masculine appeal. Yes, I still don't think I would rate this like super high, but it does make me want to give it a little bit of a higher rating. Like I was thinking maybe like a six. What were you thinking? I'm going to go with five. You can go with seven and that ends up as 12. I think I'm going to lower that. Let's do 11. Um, How much we subjectively like this media knowing that he's like, would you rewatch this because of him? I would watch a supercut, but not the entire movie, especially since he's not really, he's not really in it a lot. I agree. I would not watch the whole thing over again. We are here purely for Nick. And, you know, like, I like some of the other actors in this movie, but they were just not in it enough. And there was just not enough stuff going on to keep me interested. Maybe like a five i was gonna say four okay let's let's go with nine how much objectively would we rate this movie if he wasn't in it would we watch it i would probably say four i'm not particularly interested in scary stuff unless it was really interesting or compelling for some other reason Mm -hmm. but just like as a genre not it's not really for me and yeah it's hard to say because I do like scary movies, but I think if I watched this without the bonus of having Nick in it, I would have walked away like even more disappointed that it wasn't really like at all spooky or scary. It kind of makes me want to give it like a three. Yeah, okay. I'll go with three. Let's give it a six total. Let's see what this total is. 43. Wow, it's only one point higher than Legends considering he was in... He was in a whole ass movie and in Legends, he was in like literally 30 seconds. I know that that queer world rating is is really working for it. All right. Well, let's move on to his next project. It is called The Watcher in the Woods. This was a made for TV film that aired in October 2017 on the Lifetime Network. It was directed by Melissa Joan Hart, who played Sabrina the Teenage Witch in the original TV show. And it is about a teen girl named Jan who moves to a small Welsh town for a summer with her family. I believe it's because her dad gets like a research thing at a local university. But anyways, that's not really important. What's more important... The parents in this movie are so dumb. uh, Yeah, they're useless. They're literally so (laughs) stupid. Basically, it's about like the woods that surround the town and like all of the supernatural occurrences that are connected to it. Nick plays a local farmer's son who is like kind of Jan's love interest, but mostly like he's just helping her do like research about the history of the town. And then I think that he saves the day at the end of the movie. Yeah. And his name is Mark in the movie. Yeah, this movie is listed as a supernatural horror. It's a little supernatural. It's not very horror at all, I would say. It is a very strange movie. Like, it is hard to pin down what they were trying to do. Yeah. In some parts of the movie, it feels like they're going for, like, something straight up horror. And then the tone shifts, and it's kind of silly and campy, and I don't know if that's intentional. or It was just all over the place, and Angelica Houston could not save this movie, even though she acted the shit out of that role. It was just very bizarre. It felt like she was in a different movie from the other characters. Yeah. Also, 
I didn't realize this until I was doing like this research for this episode, but this is actually a remake. Oh, really? Yes. There was so strange. Yeah. There was an original Watcher in the Woods that came out in the 80s. I wonder if that's any better. It did not get good reviews, but according to Wikipedia, it had a little bit of like a cult following. There was like a group of fans of this movie that were like really big fans of it. The original one was produced by Walt Disney. And it's the same plot. It's like about the plague doctor. They had like a small like initiative, I guess, in the 80s where they were trying to target a young adult audience instead of just children, basically. It says on Wikipedia that the film had its premiere at the Zigfield Theater in New York on April 17th, 1980, but was pulled from release after 10 days and future screenings were canceled by the studio because of an overwhelming negative response from critics and audiences. That kind of makes me want to watch that movie now, actually. It seems like maybe it became really popular because it's like one of those movies that's like so bad that people enjoy watching it. Mm Hmm. Okay. Yeah, but this movie was not that. Because I was going to say, I don't think that this one pulled that off in the same way. I think this one is just genuinely bad. Just bad. Yeah, Yeah. it's like not good. And my biggest issue with it is that genuinely the dialogue in this movie is like nonsense. So much of it is so weird. And I'm like, I have never heard anyone say these sentences before in my life. No one is speaking like a normal human being. Another situation where like we're supposed to feel like a connection between Mark like Nick's character and the main character they don't even really seem to have anything connecting them they literally just like meet on the street of this like small town and start talking and then all of a sudden they're just like hanging out and like the day after they meet they're arguing with each other as if they're in a relationship and like they owe each other something but I'm like you guys met on the sidewalk the day before you guys don't owe each other anything you have no connection or ties with each other and like it's just super weird nick is kind of questioning or i guess not nick but like mark is kind of questioning some of the things that jan is saying and being like what i would say like a normal level of like questioning her because she's saying all but like hearing voices and like seeing things and she's like freaking out at him and being like aren't you supposed to be believing me and i'm like is he like he just met you for all he knows you know like you guys don't know each other like what are you talking about so i i don't know The, the whole thing is just like very bizarre to me and just another kind of example of let's throw two attractive straight people into a movie and people are going to think they they have chemistry because they're two attractive straight people. It's just like really boring to me. <laughs> yeah. Very weird movie. Very weird. Hard to find anything entertaining about it at all. It's not even so bad it's good. It's just bad. His outfit's kind of cute though. The suspenders. Yeah, but like that shirt is way too tight for someone who's doing farm work. Come on. (laughs) I know. I feel like they intentionally tried to make him like a thirst trap and it kind of worked on me at least, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, of course it did. Okay, let's get into the categories. The quality of his role. I mean, he kind of does save the day. He does kind of save the day. And he helps solve the mystery and ultimately saves the day. So I'd say that he's a pretty significant character. He is pretty significant. I will say... This is one of the lower ratings, I'll say, for, like, the amount of emotion he has to portray. 
it's just not very I mean they didn't really give him much to work with it's like you're just the hot farm boy yeah I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at is that it's like he just didn't really have a lot of things to portray in this movie Mm -hmm. like he wasn't a very dynamic character or anything I mean but none of the characters were like all these characters are cardboard cutouts yeah I don't know. It makes it very difficult. Well, I mean, if we go by just the amount of time he was on screen versus the other main characters, who's basically Jan and Angelica Houston, right? I, I'm leaning towards like a four or five. I was going to go lower than that, like three or four. Let's say four. Yeah, I would say that four was kind of the common denominator. How queer is this movie slash how queer is his role? Not at all. But like his character is not much of anything, really. He's just a plot device, like an attractive looking plot device. Is this a zero? Yeah, I think so. I mean, those suspenders were like that. His outfit was kind of. Yeah. Should we should we give it a two just for the suspenders? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> a straight like farmhand would not be wearing that outfit. Let's be real. No, it was kind of giving theater kid more than it was giving farm help. Yeah. How baby girl is he in this role? Not at all. Very little. He didn't even really have the opportunity to be. And see, that's, again, we're getting into the whole thing of how could he possibly have been baby girl when, like, he had no personality traits, basically. Yeah, that's a one, I think. So another another two, I guess. One for yeah. each of us, yeah. How much we subjectively like this media? Not at all. I'm so sorry. I'm so, you know what? I'm sorry. Can we Nick. give a zero? This is the worst one. Well, no, I think that the objective rating is going to be lower. I'll give a one for this because he's in it and he looks good and I like looking at him. Okay, sure. And then objectively... Objectively, and this movie is trash. (laughs) It's a zero. It's our first zero. Harsh, but honest. I know that Nick's not listening to this, but like, if he is, I want to say, baby girl, I understand (laughs) that you probably took this role because you need it to work and I still love you. Let's figure out the total. Fourteen. Yeah, that's a 14. Brutal. I can't believe that that's lower than Legends, a thing that he was barely in. will continue to stand out because it will just be like, how did he even get a 42 for that minuscule role? He was doing so much in those 30 seconds. Like, he deserves it. You know what that 42 is for? The thighs. They work hard for that score. (laughs) They worked hard. They worked so hard for that. Okay, let's move on to his next project. Okay, so the next project is Share, which came out in 2019. It's a movie about a 16-year-old girl who receives text messages from her friend about a video of, of her that has gone viral. And when she sees this video, it's quite disturbing because she is obviously unconscious and she's surrounded by some boys and her pants have been pulled down and they're laughing at her and she has no recollection of any of this happening. And so as you know, these types of videos tend to go, they, they're passed around the school and she is humiliated and ostracized for this. And she sets out to find out what actually happened to her that night. And um, Nick's character, I can't even remember his name in this movie, he is among the boys who were in that video who were laughing at her. And for some reason, she zeroes in on him and becomes convinced that he committed assault. His name's AJ. Oh, okay. That did not stick at all. So (laughs) she spends the entire movie 
you know, trying to piece together clues to prove that AJ assaulted her. And that information is presented in a really fragmented and confusing way. So you're not really sure if he did. His character consistently denies it, but then it's implied that he did. And do we spoiler this? Does it matter? I mean, in the end, he didn't do it. Yeah. And I think maybe the whole point of that movie is that it's like it's really difficult to make accusations and that trying to piece together an event like that is really confusing and that you'll have all sorts of people telling you different things and different people have different opinions about how it should be handled. And I think it's striking the way that the parents in this movie responded to the assault. The father is very intent on proving who did it and prosecuting that person. The mother is sympathetic and you know, it's alluded to that something similar happened to her and that this is a common experience for women. Um, I think it was trying to say, you know, something about the Me Too era, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think it said that very well. The lead character was, I mean, we don't get to know her at all. This movie is all about her and this journey that she goes on, but we don't really learn anything about her or even really get into her head. And she's very passive. It's like things just happen to her versus her you know, making things happen. Yeah, that was one of the things that we talked about when we finished watching this was like, it was very strange to me. I found it very unsatisfying. Yes, we were a little unsatisfied. And that was the big thing is like, this is a movie about her and it should be a movie about her agency and like her, you know, trying to take back her agency after she feels like it's been taken from her. But instead, she sort of just like moves around in this like space that's like. And maybe that's what it feels like. You know, maybe that was deliberate. Like when you've experienced that kind of trauma, like maybe we're seeing it through like her perspective where everything is a little bit hazy and, and confusing. And I don't know. I mean, if it was intentional, it doesn't come across as intentional. Yeah, it just seems like she things just happen to her. And she's not really she's not really doing anything. Everything just keeps kind of being done to her happening to her. Yeah. And she makes a decision at the end of this movie. You know, we've been following this journey. And there's no, you know, you don't understand why she would do that. How how is that leading up to this decision? Like what conclusions were made? And how did she get there? Like, it was just I will say, I think that she pinpoints this on Nick's character, AJ, because they sort of had a little bit of a romantic thing going on between the two of them. Like, I think there were some kind of like flirtations happening between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And then also, I, I kind of think that it was like implied that he was supposed to be like driving her home that night. But then he kind of was like, oh, you were like passed out. Like, I couldn't even like get you awake to like get you out of the house to bring you home from this party and so I think that's kind of why she pinpoints it on him because he was kind of supposed to be taking care of her that night everything you said I I like agree with I just I understand why this movie was made I wish it was a little bit more than what it was Mm -hmm. and I can appreciate again like as someone who (laughs) is obsessed with like looking into everything I saw a bunch of like Nick's tweets that he did around when this movie came out. And I can see that he felt like it was important and that he is like supporting, basically like he was talking about this thing that he was supporting about men 
owning up to the way that they treat women or like calling out other men for the way that they talk about women or treat women, which I I can appreciate. And I like that that's like an important topic for him, which makes me feel a little like maybe kinder towards this movie because I can see what that means to him. But I do think that it just like wasn't very well executed. Well done. Yes. Yeah. We'll say. So let's talk about the ratings for our categories. So the first one is the quality of Nick's role. How much is he in it and how much is his role? He's not in it (laughs) very much. He's not in it very much. Yeah. I guess, I mean, in terms of like how meaty his role is, and we talk about it in terms of like, you know, the different layers of emotion or like dimensions of his character. I think that in this movie, at the start, he's like just this typical jock. And, you know, he shows later towards the end of the movie that he does have a kind of more sensitive side and that he is sympathetic and he's appalled that he would be accused of doing something like that. You know, he's a he's kind of a jerk, but like he wouldn't go so far as to assaulting someone that like that's a bridge too far and that like he is genuinely upset that this has happened. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, he's not given much to do. I want to say like a three or four. Yeah. He was in such um, few scenes that maybe it's just a three for me. Yeah. Okay. How queer is this movie? How queer is his role? Not at all, I would say. Not at all. Not even yeah. a tiny little baby bit. Oh, is this getting a zero? I kind of feel I like it it's is. getting a yeah. yeah. I really just like don't see anything there that's like, <gasps> wait, <laughs> I really liked his interactions with that other guy who was like the main character's best friend not like her best friend but she was kind of friends with that guy i do not remember this at all and they had some like cute moments when they were hanging out with each other this is grasping at straws katie but i just wanted to bring that up that like i thought that they were really cute together and i think i even said to you while we were watching this these two should should hook up. oh yeah yeah <laughs> But that is just your Delulu talking. Yes, that's me grasping at straws. That's me seeing him having chemistry with anybody and being like, they should make out. I'm still going to leave it as a zero because that was that was a grasp. I mean, he's not baby girl at all in this role. No. I think that's a zero too. Oh, this is going to be rough. How much do we subjectively like this media? I like the subject matter and I think it's an important topic. I wish... It had been done better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I would have watched this if he wasn't in it just because the subject matter sounded interesting to me. And I would have been interested to see how they would portray that. And then I would be disappointed by it. I think that as a movie, it's not very good. Yeah. And I'm thinking like part of me wants to rewatch this. I don't even know how much I want to like rewatch the scenes he was in. Maybe a little bit just so I can like see his interactions with that other guy again. That's just me being weird. I, I don't have like a an overwhelming desire. I kind of want to say like a three. Yeah. A maybe a four. I appreciate what they were trying to do. Yeah. And what would we rate this media objectively? Would we watch it if he wasn't in it? I kind of agree with you. It's it, that's like a difficult one because I'm like I maybe would watch it if he wasn't in it. Mm-hmm. My rating would be lower because some of my enjoyment of this project comes from the fact that he's in it and he's looking like he always does, which is beautiful. I'm gonna say three. Yeah, that's good. That's a good one. So that's twenty, I believe, if my math is correct. You know what? It still got higher than the in the woods i mean it's still objectively a better movie and it was trying to say something 
much more important than whatever was going on in Watcher in the Woods. <laughs> That's so true. I don't think the Watcher in the Woods was trying to say anything. If it was, I missed I missed the memo. I, I totally Yeah, flew over my head. Yeah. Once again, we had to split this into two episodes. We just ended up talking way too long about all of his projects. So we are going to be back with a part two in a few weeks whenever I get the editing done. I don't know. We just have too much to say about him. That's all there is to it. Shall we discuss what we are hyper fixating on right now? Yes. Why don't you start, Katie? I don't think these have to be things to do with like queer culture. Well, you know what? You know, arguably this does have to do with queer culture because I was going to say right now I'm hyper fixating on award shows. It's award show season. The Oscars are my favorite thing in the entire world. I am obsessed with the Oscars. And so right now I'm kind of like preparing by starting to watch some movies that I think are going to be nominated for Oscars. So like I watched the Golden Globes and that kind of like gives you a good idea of what you can start watching for the Oscars. So yeah, that's kind of what I'm hyper fixating on right now is like and I think arguably like award shows are kind of queer culture (laughs) because I feel like gay people are like the most obsessed with award shows so yeah and the spectacle of the spectacle and like looking at like everyone's outfits like Mm -hmm. the dresses like the glamour and everything that's so yeah that's definitely not for the straights what are some things that you think are noteworthy to watch that you are personally looking forward to watching and you think other people should check out? Well, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm really excited to see the movie that Emma Stone just won Best Actress for, which is called Poor Things, Mm -hmm. which is directed by Yorgos Lanthimos, which I've seen like a couple of his other movies. And he does always like really bizarre, like, I don't even know what you would call it, like cerebral kind of just really strange movies and so i'm really excited to see that one it's still in theaters so i'm probably gonna go see it in theaters obviously everyone's talking about saltburn which i saw in theaters about like a month ago is it good i I have no idea what saltburn is about it's just it looks a little bit creepy and apparently like tumblr is just full of porn i don't know like so it's like sexy and kind of scary is that correct I mean, you're right on, well, I don't even know if I would call it sexy. Like a little bit. Here's the thing. The normies got their teeth into it. And so everyone is talking about how it's like such a weird movie and it's so creepy and blah, 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 blah. But not to be like condescending or whatever, but I feel like those of us who see weird movies often and partake in other hobbies that expose us to weird things this movie is not weirder than like 50 percent of the fanfic that i've read okay but because like the normies have gotten their paws on it there's kind of like this big like spectacle about how it's like super weird and like the main character does all these like creepy things in it and i'm like (laughs) it's like not that weird to me i don't know everyone i know who has seen it has really enjoyed it i really enjoyed it So yeah, I kind of think it's worth watching. Mm -hmm. It's definitely on my list. And I can't think of anything else that I'm like really excited to see. 
I've already seen a few, like obviously like Oppenheimer is probably going to be nominated. I saw that. What I actually kind of like about the Oscars is all of like the documentary nominees because I feel like documentaries aren't normally a thing I would watch outside of the Oscars, but I always try to watch the documentaries because I, I usually think they're pretty interesting. What about yourself? So at the end of the previous two episodes, I mentioned Our Flag Means Death. And yesterday, mm -hmm. the day before we started recording this, it was officially announced that the show has been canceled and will not be coming back for a third season. I didn't know that. Now you know. It's pretty new. Um, and people are freaking out about it. Because it ended in a weird spot, right? Yeah, it did. And so even though I was disappointed, as I mentioned, by season two, I was still really looking forward to a third season. It was always intended to be a three season show. And so it's unfortunate that, you know, they didn't get to tell the story that they wanted to tell. And I was hoping that maybe season three would fix some of the things that made season two not the best. But I guess we'll never know. Maybe it'll be one of those things. What was the, it was Brooklyn Nine-Nine that got like canceled, but then picked up by something else. Yeah, yeah. By a different network. I think it's possible because it's one of the most streamed shows on max and it has like a 90 something percent rating on rotten tomatoes like there's a lot of love for this show the fandom is huge and very passionate so i guess it's not outside the realm of possibilities i mean yeah that'd be great i i'm kind of surprised because i mean yeah it was such like a hugely popular show yeah i really don't understand how these decisions are made because if a show like that with you know such a big audience and like such enthusiasm for it can get canceled and it's like you know how are smaller shows supposed to survive homophobia probably i mean it's it's pretty telling if you look at a lot of shows that get canceled after the first or second season a lot of them are a lot of them are queer yeah we should do an episode about that yeah we totally should <laughs> so anyway, the demise of one gay pirate show has kind of renewed interest in another gay pirate show, which, in my opinion, is superlative in every way. And that show is Black Sails. Black Sails aired from 2014 to 2017. It has four seasons, and I believe you can stream it on Stars. It was my comfort show, even though it punched me in the gut every single episode, but I can't stop recommending it to people. Um, so Black Sails is set in the early 18th century during the Golden Age of Piracy. And to me, part of why it's so great is like, it's really excellent fanfic. It's basically canon compliant prequel to Treasure Island, which I personally enjoyed as a kid, fused with other pirate lore. And there's a lot of really great stories, a lot of well shot and well choreographed action and adventure, but also lots of like really good quieter moments um, where people are just talking, but it's really like engaging and intense and really compelling. So I appreciate how the show gets to, you know, invest time in getting to know the characters and understand their motivations and like their dynamics. And most importantly, it is queer. And a queer polyamorous relationship is so central to the plot in a really meaningful way. Um, I don't want to give anything away, but the slow unraveling of that is really satisfying. And there's also a lot of other queer characters of different gender identities and sexual orientations who are really interesting and complex and layered who get really good story arcs. And so the whole thing is just, you know, really intriguing and clever and sexy, and I can't recommend it enough. So if you are in the market for a new gay pirate show and you haven't seen this one, please check it out. I promise you won't be disappointed. I haven't even watched it. 
Katie, you have to get on it. You will love it. I feel like, you know, there's a lot of hype around the show, but it meets or even exceeds expectations. So that's it for this episode. Stay tuned for part two of our Nicholas Galatstein extravaganza, which will be released in the next couple of weeks. Our website is bisexualbreakdown.com, where you can find links to all the places you can listen to this podcast, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, YouTube, as well as all of our social media. We are on Tumblr, Instagram, and TikTok, and we are Bisexual Breakdown across all of those platforms. You can leave us comments and feedback on any of those, or if you prefer, you can email us at bisexualbreakdown at gmail.com. Our music, which is a work in progress and will probably continue to evolve over the next few episodes, is by our good friend Pax. They are Fens Edge on Instagram. Our website artwork is by Carol, who is Draw, Write, Play on Instagram and Threads. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. are both bisexual. That's so true.